Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. Does my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Cody, I know I don't have tick bite fever, but I got something right now. Sheepers, creepers. Have you had, like, is tick bite fever just people get it? In South Africa, like, is it a fairly common thing? Yeah, it's almost like malaria. It's like, okay. uh, if you okay. go spend... I've never been anywhere where malaria even existed, let alone was common. Well, it's just a matter of, if, you're, if you spend t enough time in the bush, you're going to get malaria if you're not taking prophylactics all the time. And you're probably not going to take prophylactics all the time if you spend your entire life in the bush because it's bad for your health. And then tick bite fever is just, you know, I had a tick on my ankle. I didn't watch it. It sucked a bit of blood up there. I took it off three days later, just like you. Freaking the worst headache, fever, chills, body aches I'd ever experienced. And I got tick bite fever December 26th of 2019. Remember Y2K, like the whole like 2000, like New Year's Eve celebration? My buddies and I were going to go to Cape Town. It was going to be amazing. You just said 2019. 
Did you mean 1999? Sorry, 1999. 1999. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the show. I'll be all over the show for the entire freaking show. I'm drinking a hot toddy right now to try and just knock Hotty it out. Hotty toddy, yes. Those are good. And, um, yeah, it, um, I had to fly. I flew from Joburg to Durban with like 103 degree fever because I was, all my family was on the coast because I had said go because I'm going to Cape Town with the guys. And they were like, you're not coming with us. <laughs> so how long does it last? Like your sickness from the tick bite? Cody? Uh, mine was, uh, like, I don't really know when I got the tick bite. Like, I, I, I didn't find the ticks. I found the bites on the airplane in it, on, on the, from the flight from Joburg to Newark. I'm like, huh, what are these two irritations? Um, but I was definitely, like, real sick. Like, I mean, legitimately. I, I've been, I got out of the Marine Corps in 1998, and I've been to the doctor three times since then. And I went to the doctor on this. I don't like doctors, not in general or personally. I just don't like the, I, I, I don't feel like the doctor ever actually knows what's going on and he's just selling me drugs, but I don't like them. But for three days, I was legitimately hardcore sick. And then remnants, the fatigue, like, like where I just could not get my head going and get up and moving. That was a, that was a solid seven eight days after that they didn't give you anything right you didn't take um tetra i think it's called it's i think the stuff that i took was tetracycline or something like tetradoxycycline or something like I that took do I, I had they gave me doxycycline okay 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 which so is the, an antibiotic the... tetracycline is a steroid doc doxycycline is an antibiotic. whatever it I, I think it worked because i really did start feeling rapidly better Supposedly, um, it's got. Um, I was told by the doctor when I took it that it increases your sun sensitivity. Did I tell so you, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, no, that's te you, that's tetracycline, a steroid. Hmm. Hmm. My, mine was an antibiotic because I had to take probiotics because it's such a strong antibiotic. Did I tell you about the doctor's office? This is a story worth talking about. Yeah, the South African was there. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I, so I did say that. I show up in. Canyon City, Colorado, at Buttons Family Practice, which is you know, Buttons Family I, I Practice. <laughs> they're they're great, Doctor Buttons, but it's in a metal building, right? It's a forty by sixty metal building. That's their that's their, and I'm not I'm not dogging it. They're, they've been great to us, and I would recommend them to anyone. But I roll in there, tell them I just got back from Africa. Everybody's saying I have tick bite fever. They have a damn visiting doctor from South Africa in the office in, in Canyon. And they were just this, they just walked in like, yep, tick bite fever. Here you go. Don't come back unless you think you need to. Bam. And mm -hmm. I, I walked out. So that was great. But that's crazy. I know. I know. I know. Cause I, I don't, I'm not positive that the uh, other doctors at Buttons family practice have seen a lot of tick bite fever. I'm just not very common in uh, central Colorado. Right, right. Yeah, I think. I, that... think, I think they give us doxy for when we get bit by deer ticks back home for Lyme mm. disease. Probably. I think they give you doxy for that. I've never had 
an issue with it, but my brother got it, and he had, like, big uh-huh. red circles all over him, and he's got some lasting effects from it, but I've never... I never had a tick issue. I don't. I don't know. They just don't like Man, me. I guess I've been covered in them. Here's the here's the last point on that. We don't drag this out too long, but my wife has like a phobia, like a legitimate psychological phobia of alligators and ticks. Right? Nothing. Nothing else really. I mean, like we we had to stop in the middle of the road for a mountain lion three nights ago, and she's like stick trying to stick her camera like no no fear whatsoever there alligators and ticks and i've told her a thousand times i'm like babe i've pulled a i've pulled a a thousand ticks off of me in my life that's probably a legitimate number turkey hunting in the midwest you better check afterwards or you're just gonna you're gonna be covered in them i said it's not a big deal and then her first experience with ticks i get some exotic African disease out of the deal. It didn't help my case on defending, keeping her from being so scared of ticks. But yeah, Daryl make Daryl's been making a lot of fun of me because I've had some exotic uh, ailments in my life. And in, in, in well, a, I'm, and I, as I said in last week's podcast, I'm super proud that you are now part of the African disease fraternity. Right, absolutely. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was that was my goal and the entire reason I went over there for. For two weeks. Really Ali Mahaney. Ali Mahaney, welcome back to the Blood Origins hey. podcast. Wearing your old school camo. Oh, my Filson shirt, yep. Oh, Filson old school camo, man. Yeah. And a cow poke hat. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> is that a, what, what is that? Is it, is the, uh, is cow poke a brand? I think she's about to explain to us what that is. Or, or she's I don't know. I found, out what it is. I, found it on, I found it at a Western boutique, and I like trucker hats, so I just bought it. I think it's just a saying. Poke a cow? Cow poke? No, not poke a cow. That's weird. Oh, what, what, what's the stuff that the Wisconsins do? Tip a cow. Cow tipping. Oh, no cow one, tipping. No one really does yeah. that either. And that's a so it's a fallacy. It's a lie. Uh, yeah, I would challenge you to go out and I mean, like a calf. Like maybe you could knock a calf over. All right, anyone who's listening to this podcast who has tipped a cow, send Cody a text at six two zero eight six zero forty eight zero four, and I will call your bluff. That unless you went and tipped a calf. Getting up next to a cow and tipping it over is not a thing that that happens. In, except in maybe extremely rare. I know one guy did How it many in- times have you gone cow tipping, Cody, that you've got this much experience talking about cow tipping? And I, I've never gone cow tipping, but I spent a lot of time around cattle. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that if you want to go try and tip a full-grown mama cow over because you think she's sleeping in the middle of the night, <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> but buckle up because it, it could get pretty Western on you in the process. Well, talking about text messages, text messages come in. Have they stopped ragging you, Cody? Um, yeah, they've slowed down on ragging me, and now we've had some pretty good responses. I can't remember what you offered. You offered a drawing for a snapshot of a uh, 
of them giving us a rating. Yeah, reviews and ratings on podcasts. If you uh, left us a review and a rating on a podcast, uh, the hat that Cody is wearing and that I am wearing, uh, a Blood Origins leather patch hat that is not for sale. It is only to be given away uh, for very special people. Um, so we wanted to sort of boost our sort of it's part of the freaking podcast algorithm everything has an algorithm today so if you leave a review if you leave a rating for us screenshot that text it to cody instagram dm it to us or or email it to us we'll throw you in the in the running to win one of these hats have we had october okay okay i did yeah we've had like five or six already I randomly processed a winner, but I didn't realize we were getting them in other places. So we'll put them together and process a winner. Yeah, we'll process a winner at the end of October. So we've still got a lot oh, of I time. I didn't know Cody. this was in October. This, this, <clears throat> is a, this is a Halloween giveaway, folks. Brace yourself. This is a this is a this is a one month long endeavor. Well, Josh from Tennessee sent in that he thanks for the rating, Josh. Um, he also agreed with me on uh not not agreed with me but kind of agreed with the concept of the drones in utah that we talked about last week um needing to be something that's that's uh that's done carefully this kind of how he put it that the government shouldn't have full reign to just fly drones all over the world um in the name of uh wildlife conservation or law enforcement so josh thanks for that yeah i was about to get onto you for a little bit there because uh i, I clearly there was going to be text messages that are like they, they agree with me they agree with me they agree with me yeah it, it's it really is conveniently thing, forget though. about the text that they agree with me and disagree with you uh we don't really we See? don't really get those. It's happening already we don't we don't Ali, get... i call bias no, we just, I, I'll send you the text message. We don't get any text messages where anyone agrees with you. No one agrees with you. <laughs> James, James from Ohio, who is uh, going to record a podcast with me this week to kind of roll through his first big game kill, sent me a picture of a backstrap that looks just perfectly grilled with asparagus that I'm somewhat jealous of. Amazing. Um, so congratulations to James. James is uh, like, it, it, it's pretty cool when you can sense the sincere excitement in text messages. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, a big shout out to James because he's kind of chronicled us through uh, missing an antelope last year in Wyoming that would have been his first big game ever. Um, then came to full draw on a deer this year and emotions got to him and he just realized that he was shaking and head wasn't right um and didn't pull the trigger which is also a a uh, fairly disciplined thing to do in my opinion um and then came back and and uh, put a really nice doe down and has kept us kind of in the thing and we're going to do a podcast and talk about those emotions going through it and then we got uh, two or three comments. Dave from Wisconsin um, offered that Ben O'Brien has offered emergent hunter as a replacement for oh yes 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 adult onset hunter. Also, also Dave told me this um, 
because we had this discussion going about the Great Lakes Wolves and why everyone was in a conundrum over Wisconsin not having their management plan ready. Right, 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 right. Wolves are on the ESA. Um, but the pitch is that a judge blocked the season prior to them going back on because they didn't have a proper management plan. So that's why you're why you're struggling on a uh, why why they're struggling to get a management plan going now, even though the Wolves in Wisconsin are technically listed. Um, and then <laughs> Kevin from Michigan. Again, this is how Kevin's text starts. Cody, your take on adult onset hunter is spot on. Notice the theme of agreeing with Cody. I started yeah. hunting at 25. Yeah. It's the same with guys that are a public land hunter or saddle hunters. For the record, I hunt both public and private, often out of a saddle. I feel like it's just a way to try and sound cool. Meaning, I, that's like that to me is the best text about the adult onset. Why are adult onset hunters not just hunters? That's my why are we emergent. all emergent hunters no they're just hunters they're just hunters i agree they're just hunters ali stop it stop it it's just encouraging him here is ali a hunter or is she a woman hunter she's just a hunter uh, yeah no no ali is a huntress (laughs) (laughs) what's the difference I'm not, uh, I don't really, Cody? I don't, don't get me started on Huntress because then I'm going to piss all kinds of people off. You're just a hunter. I'm just a hunter and I'm just a houndsman. And it doesn't matter if, if she started six months ago or she started, you know, 20 years ago, it doesn't matter. She's just a hunter. I, I don't like all these labels. Got it. No problems. And I'm not mad at anyone. I think the labels just. The labels just segregate more, as if we're already not segregated enough. True, true. Ali, where are you coming to us from? Last time you came to us from your truck on the side of the road. You seem to have a little bit better accommodations uh, today. Are you knocking her truck? Maybell, Colorado. <laughs> I'm back in Colorado. Colorado. Oh my god. Um, I was down. <laughs> I was down in Cedar Ridge for about a month, um, dog sitting my coworkers or my old coworkers stuff while he was guiding, but now I'm back up north and I will be back up north until the end of rifle season, fourth rifle, and then I'm heading south for the winter. South being Arizona. Yeah, Arizona or Texas, or actually I think I might hit up both. There's so much riding I wanna do mm. that I might just Go to Texas and then ride my way to Arizona. Cause there's a there's a mule event in Arizona in Wickenburg in March, so I want to mm-hmm. be there for that. Okay. So I might just make a triangle. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Cody, from a admin perspective? No, that's really that's it. The text messages wise, um, good 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 participation. Like I said, we have about seven or eight entries through text messages for. Uh, the contest at the end of October and we'll keep track of that. Six two zero eight six zero forty eight oh four. Just send us a screenshot of you leaving a review. Um leave an honest review. Robbie said it has to be a five star, but just leave an honest review and and, <laughs> and screenshot it to us and you'll be entered to win a uh a really a limited edition hat that's not for sale anywhere. Uh don't forget about a supporters drive in October. 
Right. We have a monster supporters drive all about ducks. I actually went and saw Josh Raggio today in Raymond, Mississippi. Anybody is in Mississippi or heading through Raymond, uh, go check him out. He's got a beautiful mercantile store. And Josh, I apologize today. Cody, I walked into his store, which is the, is the man store of man stores. Leather everywhere. And I said, why does it smell like a girl's perfume in here? Oh, and wow. it was because my nose is so blocked. He was like, what are you talking about? I'm, he's got like sandalwood spray, sandalwood candles. It's all sandalwood. It's all like manly <laughs> sandalwood spray. And uh, I was That's like, cool. man, I'm sorry. I, couldn't, I can't smell it. <laughs> or it smells really differently in my nose. What's the name of the store? Raggio Mercantile in Raymond, Mississippi. He gave us a custom. He's a custom duck core maker. And he's got um, uh, acrylic CNC call in the supporters drive. We've got knives from Outdoor Edge. We've got gear from First Light. We've got uh, Ren and Ivy gear. We've got two private land duck hunts. You just need to sign up. Be a supporter of Blood Origins. Sign up for 10 bucks a month uh, if you want. And you'll actually be entered into the second duck hunt uh, exclusively for those people that are at the $10 a month level. So, yeah, everyone, join the supporters program. Help us. Support us to put our shoulder behind the stone every single day and fight for you and fight for hunting. Uh, just like we've been doing with the South Australia bow hunting ban. We have been punching and punching and punching some more. And uh, there are a lot of people in Australia that are appreciative of us. Uh, we also got a little bit of flack from uh, someone. I won't name names and I won't name organizations, but we got told that what we're doing halfway across the world is not helping. So. Don't do it. I was like, okay. Was this a uh, pro-hunting organization? Oh, yes. Oh. You think that, you think that um, America has, like, factions when it comes to hunting? Australian hunting organization factions are like, it is crazy. It's huh. crazy. Well, thanks but, for your input, whoever it was, but we'll probably keep doing it. Yeah, we will, because... To us, um, and I think you would agree with me on this statement, Cody. You don't tend to agree with me very often, but I think you'll agree with me on this. And that um, what we do is not aimed to convince the politician that you have to change your mind. But rather, it is meant for the 5,000, 10,000, 100,000 people that saw our content to say, oh, geez, now we know more about it. Now we're more educated about it. Now we can email someone. Now we can talk to someone about it. Now we can explain the situation better. And that's, what, that's the purpose of what we do and the power of what we do. And it works sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it works all the time in terms of giving the information. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we make a bigger difference than others. That's the way I meant to say it. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, um, Ali, I know that uh, Cody sent you some some articles, and I love the fact that you've got your cell phone sideways and your your head is cocked sideways now too. And I think she's paused out as well. But, um, Cody, I can't believe you didn't send her the article. That would have been right up Ali's, um, which Ali's lane. That you were like. Cody sent me an article after we had actually posted it on Blood Origins and said, holy 
S-H-I-T, because I don't like to swear on this podcast. Cody's <laughs> to swear on the podcast. Um, did you see this? And the article, remember, Cody, it was from the Fence Post. It was written by Rachel Gable. And the, the, the headline of the article was 18 head of 600-pound calves dead after apparent wolf attack near Mika. Yep, I saw that. And Dave Gittleson, Dave Gittleson texted us or Instagram messaged us and says, looks like there's another wolf pack in Colorado. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, that's a, it's a lot going on there. Not a lot known about this one um, in the sense that uh, the information isn't flowing kind of like it does sometimes in these types of cases. So I don't know if, if something uh, abnormal is going to come out of it or uh, something, something definitely happened. That's a lot of dead cattle. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, what, that's the weird part to me is there's not a lot of information coming out of it. I agree with you. It's very strange that there's a lot of information coming out of Walden, but there's minimal information coming out of this scenario. It's interesting that the guy that whose cattle it is, his name's Lenny Klingelsmith out of Mika, he's actually on the SAG. He's on the stakeholders advisory group that was convened by Colorado Parks and Wildlife to sort of it's part of these planning group meetings that the state is having prior to wolves, quote unquote, mm -hmm. being released into Colorado. Which is Do we probably... think that they will still release wolves often the knowledge of like you've got now two packs in Colorado? Oh, they'll absolutely still release wolves. That that was a ballot measure that was passed. I don't I don't I don't believe there's any way out of that without going back to a ballot measure to rescind Correct. it. I do think before like before my conspiracy theory mind starts to flow, I think it's possible that the reason that information isn't flowing willy nilly out of this is because Lenny's on the sag and that they're mm. probably I Again, I know that there's a whole group of people from Colorado who I agree with on most things who are going to turn this into some kind of tinfoil hat thing, why we're not seeing pictures and why all this isn't happening. Um, I, I, I want to give Lenny the credit that I think that because he's on the SAG, they're probably trying to handle everything incredibly right. by the book, by the rules, mm -hmm. and, and do the investigation completely. So. It was a very thorough article. It was a very thorough article talking about, you know, all sorts of things. Um, talked about CWB, uh, CPW, sorry, doing the investigation, completing the necropsies. Talked about coexistence. Talked very, very, uh, probably the first article that's come out that's actually talked about the compensation plan for ranchers. Um, so I really enjoyed the article. It was very well read, very well written. By Rachel and I, I agree with you Cody I think because Lenny's part of the SAG I think Lenny's like hey let's just let, let the process work its way out here without getting too controversial about it and everything that I've heard from the people that I've talked to that know Lenny um, very much say that he's a guy that's trying to that he's a he's a coexist guy um, which not everyone on the western slope can be described as a coexist guy um, and I, and from what I, I don't know him, but from what I've heard, he seems like a very reasonable common sense guy. Um, but 
that's tens of thousands of dollars that he lost, you know, and, uh, and it's, well, he's, he's quoted in the article saying, we're trying to learn how to coexist with wolves. Like we're going to need to, but I was, but I was preparing to share a calf or two here and there to feed their pack, be compensated and do what I can to prevent conflict. Yeah. I, uh, the other thing that I think is something that it hasn't really been talked about is that, uh, when it comes to the article, um, I don't, I don't think anybody in CPW and Meeker has found the wolf pack. And I think now there is a little bit of a flood of people up on Lenny's permit looking for wolves. Um, and I just wonder the effects of that. It's just kind of funny how the whole thing happened. Also, the other thing was that it's it's only 18 as of now. They're not done pulling their cows off the hmm. the permit. So, and that's all that they've found. So, it could be more than 18. Right. When you're saying that there's a lot of people, first of all, when you're saying the permit, does that are you saying that that he he's grazing on BLM land or 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 uh, he's grazing on public ground? Yeah. Is that what you mean by yeah. on the permit? Yep. And when you say there's a lot of people up there, like who's, is there people that shouldn't be up there, up there, or they're just this investigation and everyone that thinks they need to be a part of that and it leads to a lot well, of Well, just in general, I mean, you know, Colorado, it's like one of the biggest recreational states and the up there, that permit, there's a lot of people, a lot of hunters, and now there's an influx of locals going up there and looking for the wolves themselves because no one has seen or heard the wolves in Meeker. So now there's a lot of people up there looking for the pack and trying to locate them. And if it was wolves, which I'll still put an if on, there's no way geographically that it's the Walden, the North Park pack, right? I mean, that's that's too far. No, right? because the Walden pack was, well, yeah, one, it's a little bit out of their home range. But two, the Walden pack was um, up hunting elk and got into the Shoemaker's cattle at around the same time. Okay, so it, if it was wolves, definitely a second pack. Correct. Yeah, definitely wasn't. Definitely wasn't the uh, the Walden pack of wolves, which did not have a litter, and the alpha female is missing, possibly pronounced deceased. Hmm. Breaking news on the Blood Origins podcast. Mm. Good stuff. Ali, in your opinion, Ali. And I have no idea, obviously, geographically, I'm going to be challenged when it comes to Colorado and where Walden is in comparison to where the Meeker's ranch is, or the Meeker ranch, or Meeker, sorry, Meeker, Colorado. How far are we talking? It's three hours from vehicle. Okay. So, so yeah, that's way out uh, of that wolf pack's range. They're not going to leave their home range. If anything, it's going to be transients, maybe a maybe maybe some pups from last year's litter coming down mm. here but i doubt it i honestly i know for a fact the wolf pack in walden is still all together and there's still a whole bunch of them except for that female she's missing they i don't know if they've claimed her as deceased yet 
but she's missing. So she's either just getting really good at avoiding the helicopter and people, or she's actually dead. And then as far as Wolves and Meeker, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's a pack and no one's seen them or heard them, or if it's just a couple of uh, transients coming down from Wyoming and trying to establish their their spot. But if there is Wolves and Meeker, I think that's going to change the drop location of the reintroduction. Where was the, do we, has there been discussion about where potentially the first drop would be? Yes, there has been discussion, um, but I don't know if it's set in stone yet. I think they released, like, an idea of where they would like to drop wolves, but I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if that has to be on a vote or... Cody, when is the, when is the plan supposed to be done and the first rules be, to be reintroduced? Sometime 2023. I thought it was like December 2023. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. And if quit, uh, quit paying attention. I, like, I'm just waiting for when they announce the final plan. Because mm -hmm. all of the discussion stuff just irritates mm -hmm. me. Not, not on one side or other of the argument. I just, it, I just, I, I want to know what's decided, not what the discussion points are. Honestly. Mika, Ali, is Mika close to the border with those the, those wolves as you said they're potentially transients but would they have come from somewhere else yeah they would have had to have come from wyoming okay um, do you think that there's possibly more in colorado than the walden pack walden pack and the mika and obviously whoever whatever's in mika right now I, in my opinion, in my experience, in my time doing wolf work in Oregon, I would say that there is for sure more wolves in the state than are documented. However, I don't think there is as many as people think that there are. Mm. Okay. Wolves find wolves, and wolves can put on a lot of mileage. So they might have dipped down into mm. Colorado, but they might have went right back to Wyoming. Makes sense. And the Walden Pack goes into Wyoming. So, you know, like OR7 in Oregon, he went all the way to California and found a mate out of nowhere. And then had his pack, and that created the Rogue Pack, which was the biggest depredating cattle pack of wolves ever recorded in the history of wolves in the lower 48 that was in california right where that happened uh right? well it, yeah northern california southern oregon um so we ended up having out of or7 which is the wolf that came all the way from idaho he did like 1300 miles or something there's books written about him um he ended up in California and found a girlfriend and then settled in the Fremont Winema National Forest right before, right below Crater Lake in Oregon. And he ended up having multiple litters and created the Yellow Jacket Wolves, the Rogue Wolves, the Indigo Wolves, and then the Shasta Pack, which is that Northern California pack. All came mm. out of him. Interesting. It's all insanely interesting. I wish it wasn't so controversial because they're such mm -hmm. a cool animal. I so wish it wasn't so controversial. And I don't understand why people make it so much more difficult than it is. 
Like, there's so many conspiracy theories right. around wolves, and it's like, why wouldn't they be in the lower 48 outside of the assistance of a reinstruction? Like, they don't follow street signs. They just mosey on wherever they want. They're a predator. Like, why do we make this so difficult? Like, the the conspiracy theories in Oregon and California about the government planting wolves in California, and that's how OR7 found his girlfriend and created packs of wolves. It's like, no, she traveled just like he did. He just had a collar on. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't understand why people make it so much more difficult than it is. That's why when you ask me if I think there's more wolves here, yes, I do. But I don't think there is as many as people think that there are or want to say that there are. I think that a lot of people see a lot of pass-throughs and transients, but they just haven't established their pack. Not every wolf establishes a pack. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting next uh, 18 months in Colorado due to uh, wolf discussion and debate. Be fun to be fun to watch. hundred percent. The part that's interesting to me is the twenty twenty three date was before they got relisted on the ESA. Mm-hmm. So now that they're relisted on the ESA, they are under federal, which means the Fish and Wildlife Service has to do NEPA in order to issue a permit to CPW. Which NEPA writing a NEPA document, which is going to be a predator EA, that's going to take two to four years and then it has mm-hmm. to go through public process mm-hmm. so this but can't they get a research nipa what isn't that, that that's going to be classified under um they're going to be able to get wolves if they went through that process they'd be able to get it on um based on research right scientific evidence or scientific research or something like that yeah they call it an experimental population mm-hmm mm-hmm So I don't know if there's actually going to be a reintroduction in 2023. I don't I don't think the Fish and Wildlife Service is capable of doing NEPA in a year. Not to that extent. No, not, not to the extent. Not if, <laughs> not to the well, extent would Fish and Wildlife Service be Fish and Wildlife Service would be the the lead federal entity on the NEPA document on the EA, but they wouldn't write it. CPW would have to write it. No. Uh, no, no. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service writes it. The only thing CPW does, and and Fish and Wildlife Service is actually the managing agency because it's it's a federally endangered species listed animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they are the managing agency. They write the document and they and they issue CPW a permit to be able to put gotcha. know, wolves on the ground. But CPW okay. will not be the managing agency until they are federally delisted. Gotcha. That makes sense. Because that's what we experienced in Oregon. So Oregon was cut in half. We had half the state where they were delisted, and we had the other half of the state where they were listed federally. And I believe that is still how it is in Colorado. I mean, in Oregon. So half the state was managed by... See, by Oregon Fish and Wildlife, and the other half was managed by Fish and Wildlife Service. And it's a lot of chiefs and not enough Indians. And it kind of creates a little bit of chaos if not everybody, you know, has a certain role. And then with wolves, there's the ego. (laughs) So everybody wants to be involved. 
Well, you want to move on to the next? Let's move on to the articles that Cody did send you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ali, what do you want to start with? Had three really good articles. Um, you pick. I like the I last one. <laughs> but. but let me see which one was the last one. Well, let's talk about that because that is something that has has come up in the Blood Origins um, lately in our Insta in our Instagram and our posts. Is that we talked about on the last roundup, Dan Belizarin talking shit about hunting mm -hmm. and us needing our army of celebrities that we know hunt. Mm -hmm. And so the article that uh, got sent to you by um, where was this Whiskey Riff? Internet loses its mind because Chris Pratt hunts. He delivers a perfect philosophical explanation on why hunting is beautiful. Really good. Really was good. Like if you get a chance, there's no way to really share it here on the podcast. But we'll put the uh, link to the article in the newsletter. Which, by the way, if you don't get the Blood Origins email newsletter, you go to our website and sign up. But uh, I, Chris, I I like I don't. I have this different relationship with famous people than a lot of folks. Like I really don't give a shit. Right. Like <laughs> I know like, like Robert De Niro is, it seems completely opposite from me in everything political, but the guy's a phenomenal actor and I'm going to keep watching his stuff. Right. I, I just can't do that. I can't take mm -hmm. someone's beliefs and morals and ethics. All I care about I don't I don't care about Robert De Niro's personal life in any way, shape, or form. You know, it's like when it's like when the Queen of England died, who all accounts was a good person who tried to do good things for a long time for the world, from what from what it appears to me. I realize there's some people that, you know, colonialism and some, whatever. But I don't care. I, I don't know her. I just don't care about famous people's personal lives, except the caveat being it's nice every once in a while to see one come out and stand up for some of the things that I do believe in. I'm not going to make him my hero because I still don't know him as a person. And he could be a gigantic asshole. I don't know. But the speech that he gave about hunting is a quality thing to listen to. We'll put the link in the website or you can Google it up. Chris Pratt talks about elk hunting. Um, it was nice to see, and it's nice that he's. And I mean, the guy's big, right? Like, this is not some third-rate star that was in a movie twenty years ago that we remember from the early days, right? He's a, he's a big-time star right now, and it's nice to it's nice to have that conversation. Absolutely, going. one thousand percent. We need more of him. It's almost like okay, so in. In my perspective, like when I'm on social media, it's almost like these influencers on social media are having more of an effect than some of the famous movie stars are, I guess you could say. Or musicians. Mm -hmm. Like this TikTok wave that's happened from my generation and down has created a lot of musical artists and they have such a ginormous presence in influencing people. Mm -hmm. And I guess that going back to Cody, that's where the word huntress has come from because on social media, there's a lot of 
huntresses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I almost sometimes feel like in my generation and younger that people are more influenced by the social media famous, I'm going to put quotations, famous people than actual movie stars. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that social media has created its own genre of celebrity. Yeah. You know, the only, in the day, you know, back before social media, the only celebrities that we knew of were sports stars, movie stars, essentially. Right, Cody? Anybody else in that? Yeah, musicians, yeah. maybe, if they if, if they had a voice. But yeah, it was very much, it was almost like, uh, in, in from, from a marketing standpoint, um, I read this book, or I read this, it wasn't a book, it was a white paper called There'll Never Be Another Elvis. And Elvis at one time being the king of rock and roll. When Elvis was at his peak, there was, I believe, I don't need to be fact-checked on this, the point will be made, but I believe that this, the article said there was 37 artists that had worldwide distribution with their music. Wow. So Elvis, Elvis only had thirty six other artists to beat to be the king of the king of mm. the radio, right? And now, I mean, there's it's millions, right? There's millions of artists, mu- musicians that have international distribution of their mm-hmm. music, you know, like it. And and uh, I think it's an incredibly cool thing. I think it's one of the I have discovered. I went through this phase where I thought country music had just completely lost its mm-hmm. soul, but I was wrong. It was just, that's all I could get on the radio. Yeah, all you have to do is, is follow Ali Mahaney and her Insta story, <laughs> and you can find really cool new country artists. <laughs> By the way, I have like three or four of your new country artists. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you, you you look at so many, you look at so many artists today who are, and the really cool thing is some of them are almost break. Like you take a Tyler Childers or a Zach Bryan or a Coulter Wall, and those are guys that are insanely popular, who are writing music that would never be played on the Ever. radio. It just wouldn't, none of that, none of that music ever got put on the radio. Um, and whiskey riff, that mm-hmm. website that that Chris Pratt thing was on is actually a phenomenal website to, for, for coverage mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. And, uh, I, I argue with people now that tell me, you know, that, oh, country music these days is, is terrible. You're just dead wrong. You're, you're not, you're not doing one Google search to find, cause there is, some incredible artists out there that would have never gotten a record deal when there was four record companies um, and no YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or Facebook to, to spread the word. I think on, this so. is uh, one of yours, Ali. Dave Finley. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. This one. I don't know if it'll play. Let's see. I love music. This is this one. Wild Kids, Wild Nights. <laughs> Cody, this song. Holy smokes! Well, I know the song. I, the song is on my. The song is on my song list right now. Oh my gosh! Thank you, El, Ali Mahaney, for that one. Well, listen, I spend a lot of hours on my mule in the backcountry, and the only thing playing is my Spotify playlist I've downloaded. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, 
brilliant, 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 brilliant. Well, uh, moving from Chris Pratt, let's let's go to another. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess there's no actual. I try to make a, a synergy between Chris Pratt and Tajikistan, but I don't think I'm going to be able to cover that, that span. Trophy hunting, Chris Pratt. Trophy hunting one. Yeah. Yeah, so how trophy hunting is supporting conservation Tajikistan's highest mountain range. Uh, this is in geographical. Uh, all of these articles are going to be in the show notes. And really, um, a lot of people don't know this, but Tajikistan is is certainly one of the best conservation success stories, specifically for Marco. Well, you've got a bunch of different species, but you've got Urials, you've got uh, Markhor, uh, you've got Ibex. Um, and Marco Polo sheep. And it's just a success story because of the value that trophy hunting has brought to this very, very, very rural sort of part of the world. And um, it, it, I love that one of the things that the article talks a lot about different things, but one of the things they don't really, they do touch on, but they don't talk a lot about is the impact on snow leopards is that all of a sudden your prey base in these mountain areas has gone through the roof. Uh, they're not using it for just meat. They recognize that, you know, a Marco, I keep saying Marco, I want to say Marco Polo, but I want to say Marco. A Marco permit's going for 60, 80,000 US dollars. Um, and they, they're seeing the benefits of that money. And they're seeing the benefits of keeping those animals alive on the mountain. And uh, snow leopards are, their populations are going crazy to the point now that they're starting to make a dent in the investment of the Markor. What do you think is going to happen next? Can you hunt snow leopards over there? Negatory. Endangered. There may be a time. Well, you're, you're talking about an animal and snow leopards that 15, 20 years ago, there was consideration of an extinct rival, right. right? I mean, you know, that that kind of a turnaround. Um, but it's like the tiger situation in India, right? Everyone says the tigers are, you know, they're still in, the, the classified as endangered. This freaking S-H-I-T, no, I'll swear, shit ton of tigers in India. And now there's a ton of snow leopards. And it's getting to a point where it's like, well, you know, hmm. How much do you think someone would pay to hunt a snow leopard? Ten grand. <laughs> Twenty thousand. Try two hundred fifty thousand. Oh, quarter of a million, million easy. But the point is, to me, literally the greatest, the greatest benchmark of a recovery of a predator is when you have to start considering hunting a 100%. predator that in my lifetime, there was people arguing it was extinct. It obviously wasn't. It was never actually extinct, but it was super but rare. There was people making yeah, that super argument. rare. At you remember when like the first videos, like it hasn't been that long. It hasn't been 10 or 15 years when it was a gigantic news story that someone got snow leopards mm -hmm. on video. And they are now, they are now just, prospering mm -hmm. and the reason being is higher levels higher foods higher levels of food source for them 
because those animals are no longer being used as common table meat animals by the natives because they're being protected because they're making enough money off of the trophy hunting to buy other food. It's the ultimate success story. There's no way you can argue against it. With Ellie, about I know people were two years ago, the Markle permits were going for like $200,000. Dang. Yep. Yep. And one guy, there's three, there's three species of Markle in Pakistan, I believe. And one guy like bought all three. So that's like the black rhino tags over there, right? Didn't Corey Knowlton? Mm, Corey back in 2016 paid 350 for that black rhino. In, yeah, I thought it was something Namibia. big. Because I was in grad school and... It would have gone for 800 But everyone chickened out of the auction except, except Corey. I remember that being part of our human dimensions discussion. Mm-hmm. And basically almost everybody in my class was against it. Except Ali Mahi. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> Why? But call it again. Don't you, think so mad at, don't you think so much of that is actually rooted in subconscious jealousy of the rich? That's what I think. I think so much of it is rooted in being not, not, not so much, so many of the people that are against it are just trying to find a way to attack someone that's 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 you pay $350,000 for a tag. That's wealthy. That's not just doing okay. That's not middle class. Middle class people can't drop that, right? I think so much of it is subconsciously rooted in that. Because you can't argue against the conservation benefits of either one of those examples. You can't. The proof is there. It's just real and it's there. It's good for the population. Of the animals, it's good for the population of the locals, it's good for the population of the predator species, i.e., snow leopards. It's good for it's good for everyone. It's a win-win-win, except for one black rhino and and one markhor. Right? They lost, no no doubt. But it 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 I I think so much of it is rooted in a I need to in an eat the rich type mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even when they're doing good, right? Like e- even when they're doing good, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna attack them for being successful or inheriting it or winning the Powerball or whatever they did. I guess I just don't understand why the un- people of the United States and these animal rights activists type of situations are butting their noses in areas they have no know nothing about other than what their group that they're a part of feeds them. Like I, I was in grad school and I had multiple people with very strong opinions and not okay with Corey Knowlton buying that tag and killing that animal because of something that they read on the Humane Society about it. Cecil the lion, another example. I mean, what was that Cody? That was a hiccup. That was a, that was, that was a, that was a I thought you gasped. Hiccup it. Is all that was. No, it was a, an agave hiccup. We're about an hour into this. This is when Cody's agave starts yeah, kicking it, in. It really snuck up on me, and I felt like I was. It was not a reaction to anything you said, although I agree completely with. Yeah, what you said. I just i I got to see the side in grad school, and obviously, 
college breeds this type of mindset. I experienced it multiple times. And I just, I never understood why people were given X amount of information and that's what they believed. They never questioned it. They never looked at it from any other different angle. Like, I just, I've never understood that. And I, I don't ever go into anything biased. And yet we're in wildlife biologists. We're being trained as wildlife biologists, which we are trained to question everything. Yet so many people are just so on the straight and narrow of conservation being preservation. Yeah, I think that is very... That is very well said that people believe that preservation is conservation. Yeah, and it's the it's not even close. And I got such a preservationist. I had a lot of preservation professors. Mm. Mm. And uh, what did you? What university did you study at again? I went to the Unity College in Maine for my grad school. Mm. It's interesting. You probably, if, um, what's the, la- what's the Lance, uh, Grant Institute of Maine? University of Maine? Yeah. You know, that, those are the traditional hook and bullet departments, like Mississippi State University and Mississippi, uh, which are very much more conservation, implementation, uh, type focused institutions. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, you certainly are obviously a product of your education. And your product of the opinions of the individuals that teach that education. So, I just don't understand why we're not we're not raised to challenge that. Like I've always been the one in class, like not agreeing or giving my opinion or questioning it. I haven't always been the teacher's favorite, but <laughs> I just was raised to never settle. Like I just. My my parents raised us to just always keep keep finding out, look at it from different angles, out of the box thinking. My dad's an engineer, mm-hmm. so I mean mm-hmm. that gives you that. But like, I've never. I mean, even I'm I'm not pro wolf. I'm not anti wolf. I'm kind of right in the middle. Like I believe mm-hmm. in management. You know, there's so many people that are by the book believing X Y Z about wolves and. It's not even true. I just don't understand the mindset of a lot of this. I don't know if it's fear-based, if it's just lack of -of out-of-the-box thinking. I've just never understood it. In my wildlife career, that was probably the biggest thing that frazzled me the most. It's work. It's work (laughs) to actually understand. And it takes time. And you have to dig and it's a lazy man's approach to just it's a lazy person's approach to just read an article and then become a social justice warrior off of one headline's worth of research yes. and that that's what's driving it and it, it to me it's what drives it it drives whole parts of our political spectrum mm-hmm. is it's it's a it's a it's a lazy quest for perfection instead of a legitimate quest for the actual best mm-hmm. answer. And it's, you know, it's, it's, why don't we just leave them alone? Right. 
if we leave them alone, they'll balance themselves out. That preservationist attitude completely avoids the 330 million human beings that also reside in the United uh-huh. States. We can't just leave them alone anymore. We can't. Because sooner or later, when you leave them alone, someone's going to take it into their own hands. It's just like, why don't we just leave the Markor and the Snow Leopard alone in the stands, in any of the stands that they existed? And we did that. And what happened was the locals started eating the prey, which led to a decline in the predators as well. And the whole thing was on a downhill Mm -hmm. stride. Now, solid management, including trophy hunting, everything's rising back up. Solid management is the only reason that folks in Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana, and and for that matter, Eastern Oregon, haven't just slaughtered the wolves on their own. It's the, the, the fact that they're trying to do management and control it is what's keeping people from taking it into their own hands more, more than they do. I realize some do, but I don't, it, to me, it's, it's a lazy man's approach to not actually understanding the depth and details of a situation that leads you to be against Corey shooting that rhino or someone paying Eight sixty, eighty thousand dollars for a Marco Polo sheep. You're not. You don't understand the depth of the actual situation. Good points all around. Good points all around. I mean, doesn't it just come down to language too? I mean, what is trophy hunting? Isn't it just hunting? Oh, great like segue just- into the next article. <laughs> Jeepers, creepers, Ali. We should have you on more often. It all comes down to nuanced language. Absolutely. What is trophy hunting? People think it's just this, you know, rich Americans, rich white people going over and slapping things on the wall. Whereas, Cody, you have not heard this podcast, and I think you'll quite enjoy it, and Ali, you'll quite enjoy it. On your Spotify, you just add it to your Spotify page this when you're in the backcountry, okay? Um, <laughs> is I recorded with a vegan, very strongly opinionated vegan. Uh, who is the social media marketing manager of quite a very large 2A organization. And I told him, he we, we try to explain trophy hunting. And I said, I don't like the term trophy hunting because it's been bastardized, bastardized essentially. Uh, so, and trophy hunting really focuses on the motivation of the individual. I prefer the term conservation hunting. Because what it does is it focuses on the benefits and the consequences of the action. And he, go, and he said to me, without any prompting, I like that a lot. I, I said... I agree. You agree with... you? Not, okay, I just about said something that was going to sound like an attack on you, Ali, and it was not. But you agree with what part the of The conservation hunting. I think that this changing society and viewpoint okay back in the 50s 60s 70s when they decided to make hunting licenses and wildlife management and all of this stuff the word tro hunting wasn't a norm i guess you could say it was just part of life it was tradition grandpa brought you fishing and hunting when you were a kid it was just normal. And then the animal rights environmentalist movement of the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s just continued on, has taken language and used it to their advantages towards agenda. And so 
I think when trophy hunting and trophy units were set up back in the day for each state agency, it was just a term that like, okay, this is going to be the the elk trophy unit right here. And this is going to have, it's going to be a draw. You're going to have be able to shoot over 300 inch animals, whatever, what, however they decided it, it was a marketing thing, in my opinion, to generate money to sell tags. And now it's just been exploited into, just like you said, a bunch of rich people slapping stuff on their wall, not eating it. Like there's trophy units up here and people eat the elk. There's trophy units for mountain lions and people eat the mountain lions. But on the other side of the spectrum, trophy hunting is just some bloodthirsty man going out there slaughtering an animal and just throwing it on his wall and not doing anything and just wasting it all. Like that's what I think the societal viewpoint has changed so much that going from trophy hunting to conservation hunting, I think follows suit and is a lot, just like you said, a lot more of a positive spin because trophy Mm -hmm. hunting has been exploited into the negative Mm -hmm. more than anything. Mm -hmm. But it's just a label. Correct. They're both just labels. Trophy hunting, we're, we're just hunters no but you can't tell the anti-hunters that you can't tell the antis that are using the term against us oh it's just a label don't worry about it i can i can are you are are, you can but it's not going to make a difference to them have you ever no you yeah i i think it will if we break it down and say look there there's a whole bunch of us with different motivations but as long as we're doing it legally because if we're not doing it legally, we're not hunters anymore. We're poachers, right? There's a difference. We're just hunters. And we, we, we do it for all different spectrums of reasons. And you can't attack the entire group by picking out one group of people that you choose to label their motivations. As long as they're doing it legally. I, I hate the labels. I, I, I don't I don't like huntress. I don't like I don't like trophy hunter, but I also don't want to coddle to the argument by changing it. Now, first of all, I never use it. I have never in my life people ask me if I hunt and I say yes, and I've never said, yep, I'm a trophy hunter. Now, there is probably a dozen plus animals hanging on the walls in this house. Um, but those are just memories to me. It's not why I went and did it. Maybe, maybe someone doesn't understand that when I actually put it on the wall. Um, but I, I put it on the wall to look at it and remember the experiences. And I, I, I hate the labels. And I think every time we try to relabel something else, I've, I've always, I've argued many episodes against changing trophy hunting. I also never use trophy hunting. Like, on this podcast is the only time I ever say the words. Yeah, but that's but it's but not, but I get what you're saying, Cody. I get it. And you're right. No hunters are using the label trophy hunting. But that's not what we need to be worried about. It's the it's the other side of the coin. It's the other community that is has this label of trophy hunting already. It's not going away. And so, how do we change that label? I hear you. We could just change it to hunters or just hunters, or you could change it to 
be a little bit more descriptive of the benefit and the consequence of the action, which is conservation hunting. And I even asked this guy, I said, do you think it's just us putting lipstick on a pig like we've said before? And he said, no, I don't think so. Mm. And so... I disagree with him. Just like just like my menu is different than his, I disagree with him. I, I think it is putting... I, like... I, I think I think it's I don't think it's putting lipstick on a pig. I think it's I think it's coddling to lies. I, I think the way that you solve it is to take someone who blasts me as a trophy hunter because I just went to Africa and a hundred percent the animals I chose were drastically based on horn size. A hundred percent. Right? We passed we passed I can tell you that I, of the eight, almost eight billion people in the world, I am the absolute worst judge of a warthog ever. Multiple times I grabbed my rifle and my pH was like, that's a female. I'm like, well, thank God you're here because I cannot judge these damn things. But that I wasn't there. I didn't tell him that I needed to shoot a new world record. That's just in their conservation and management practices they want to take adult mature males and no doubt the one that i have behind me on a pedestal i like that it has big tusks but it doesn't have anything to do with it and and are you going to change your style of hunting when you become a conservation hunter instead of a trophy hunter i mean i don't and and do you expect it to make any difference i don't know I'm just, I, I think part of me is just being a stubborn ass about coddling to them and changing anything I do for someone who's attacking this lifestyle that I love. And I can admit that, but I, I don't like, I don't like the labels and I sure as heck don't like changing the labels for the sake of someone attacking what I do. That's where I'm I at with. fully understand your point of view. Cause I grew, my dad is as black and white as you are and like growing up he'd be like what's a hate crime why can't it just be a crime why is it a hate crime against gay people or what is this like it's it's just a crime it's a crime to a person why do we have to segregate it even more so i totally get what you're saying and i agree with it but i just i don't see this trophy hunting reputation disappearing unless the story changes and it has to it, yeah it is catering to this group of people that have exploited it for an agenda which they don't even understand the agenda i just don't know how we would go about changing minds other than bringing them in i mean you guys do the perfect job of it when you go interview hunters and they tell their why. Um, I think it's changed a lot of people's minds, but do you go there? You know, I, I, I mean, everybody has a different reason of why they hunt. I mean, mine's a little bit more gory than most people's. It's just primal for me. That's what I like. I like primal. I like being in the wilderness. I like the primal feeling. It's, I like that hunting's a balance between patience and aggression. That's my why. But, I mean, everybody has a different why. Some people want food on the table. Some people, but I just, I don't know how you would cater to this 
group that exploits trophy hunting the way that they do without changing names? I mean, can you just tell it to them black and white without them putting up a wall? I don't... I don't, I, I don't want to cater yeah, to them. Yeah, no. I also completely agree with your dad that a crime is a crime regardless of the skin color of the victim and the perpetrator. Right. I, they're, both, they're both horrible. It doesn't make one less than the other or more than the other. But I, to me, it's the exact same. You're going to get the exact same consequences as adult onset hunter. If, if you start using the term conservation hunting, you're going to have some people who who may what whatever maybe they fall into cody's camp and now we just created another divide we just created another divide within 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 our our within our community and i we're just hunters that's all we are is we're just hunters and if we're doing it legally we're just hunters and it's why i don't like the attacking crossbows and, and and you should use a traditional bow and not a compound I, I don't you know why don't you just go do your thing do it legally and until someone breaks the law until someone does something that's detrimental then by all means we attack them we don't just stand by hunters who do illegal things we we, we, we let them know we disapprove but i think every time we create a new label for anything we're coddling to those that are attacking us and we're creating a divide and a fracture within our community. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah. No, but if we're not I... talking within our community and we're pushing back against labels from outside of our community, you're still of the same mindset. Yeah, because you're not pushing back. You're changing for them. You're explaining and educating and making aware with new terminology. That's more explanatory against yeah, well, you're changing. You're, you're creating. You're, you're changing. I'm a, I'm about the explaining. I mean, I, I believe that's what this entire. But I'll, you don't think well, it's I, a better I, I explanation if I said conservation hunting is the benefit and consequence of hunting. That's why we want to call it that versus just calling it hunting and saying the same thing. That's why there's labels to start with. There's, not, there's labels to start not, with because it becomes more descriptive and people can attach themselves to it and they can understand it better. I'm not arguing against your motivations. I'm, I'm, I'm arguing against... I, I understand the, the premise of it. I'm arguing against the actual action. Is, is all hunting conservation? In the context of Africa... Because that's where the context of trophy hunting really seats itself. Which is pretty much the only time it comes what up. What about hunters? What about hunters who go out? By the way, Ali, the first day I ever met Robbie, he interviewed me and asked me why I hunt, and I said it's it's primal mm. for me. It's it's it feels, and he still has never used that video ever because I'm convinced that I offended him somewhere. No, I've that. still got it. But I've still got it. We'll release it. I don't get I'm, I'm not gonna get up this Saturday and probably blow my heart up trying to walk up this mountain to a place where I think there's black bears on the opening day of black bear my black bear season I'm not doing that that morning for conservation no of course not and that's the point I'm not saying that and, and that's where I think you've mis misread what I've what I've misheard what I've said that's the point is that 
you're going like you went to Africa to kill the biggest animals possible. And that's why people have labeled you a trophy hunter. I prefer to call the action that you are just undertaking conservation hunting. Because it's not the motivation that's that we need to be focusing on. It's the benefits and the consequences of the action that I'd prefer the focus to be on. And it doesn't feel wishy-washy because that's not at all... No, it's not. I'm, I'm being completely be honest able. about it. That's the difference. You may not be thinking that. I'm, I'm not saying... I'm absolutely not saying that people are hunting for conservation because that's a lie. It sounds that way when you say the words conservation hunting. No, you've just got to make sure that you couch it in the right terminology. You've got to couch it in a way that says, yes, you're right. People aren't going to hunt for conservation. But the benefit and the consequence of the action is conservation. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. I think maybe I'm just tired of coddling to people and I'm, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to use my words. And well, it sounds like... Because I feel like... it's. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off. No, I was rambling and not saying... I, I didn't have anything else. Go ahead. I, I think it's... Let me say this. I think it's dangerous to just say I'm not... We're not catering to anyone. Because we're going to get down that... that we're going to go down the lane, which is I can do what I want and I don't give a damn what you think. And that mindset is killing hunting right now. Arrogant. No, and it, I can agree with that. That you're, you're absolutely right. And that's not the impression that I meant to give with the way that I put it. But I do feel like I'm not going to the things that I know are right. The things that I know have positive benefits. I, I, I truly believe that I've had, I have a lot of open-minded conversations and I'm willing to learn and explore new perspectives, but I'm also, you know, not going to change. I'm, I'm not going to change for the sake of people that just don't like what I do when I'm positive that what I'm doing is the right thing and a good thing. And that's what I feel like applying all of these labels mm -hmm. does and then and then the, the tertiary or secondary or tertiary consequence of that is creating fractures within our community we're all just hunters until we're poachers that's it that's it and and i don't judge anyone i truly don't judge anyone that's doing i some like i think sheep hunters are crazy like, like, I want to hunt a sheep. I just don't really, I don't want to, like, it's kind of like I want to learn to play the guitar. I've, like, for 20 years, I've wanted to learn to play the guitar, but I don't want to do it enough to actually take the time to learn to play the guitar. I feel the exact same <laughs> way about sheep hunting. I, I, I want to do it. I just don't want to do it bad enough to actually do it, right? And, and but I, I don't, I don't judge people until they break the law. And, and I, I don't, again, I do judge people's social actions who sometimes I judge hunters who do stupid things on the internet. That's not hunting. That's what they do on social media, right? That's a thing that I do judge sometimes, but I just, I, I, I don't like the labels and I don't, 
I think the trophy hunting and the concepts behind that are the reason that John Bear's statement, what what did John said one of the most prophetic things one time, and now I'm going to screw it up, is that the, the reason we have animals to hunt is because we, we have wildlife and that's because all, we hunt wildlife. Yeah, and that's all wrapped up in the basis of trophy hunting. That's all wrapped mm-hmm. up in that. Mm-hmm. But it became a thing that we do to fill that primal need. But we decided we were going to shoot mature male animals so that the populations could prosper. And that's what it's wrapped up in. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to change it. All good. All good. Except why is in, in America, the United States, why has trophy hunting been tagged to predators on the anti side? Like I don't see because a lot of people don't eat them. It, it, it's about it's about eating the meat. Mm-hmm. I because a lot of people don't eat the meat. But isn't that a preference thing? Like I eat all, all I eat bear and cougar meat. Like I don't I don't know many people that don't. Maybe black bear in certain areas is a coyote. little questionable. Uh, I have not eaten a coyote, but. I can't see the Steve Frenella episode of him eating a guy up, but I think, but, but that's why it gets slapped so hard is because when we, when someone goes and shoots a deer, they can, that, that everyone or the, you know, an overwhelming majority then eat that deer. And, you know, there is, it doesn't apply per capita the same to predators that are killed by hunters that's i i i think everyone could agree to that right like less of less predator meat gets eaten so that's where they really go it's it's an easy target for the antis to slap trophy hunting on because they don't and they're right not as much of it is getting eaten still a conservation argument with predator management and there's biologists saying that we should harvest these animals right there's still a conservation argument there but that's why it gets attracted with uh, attacked excuse me with the trophy hunting language so much i Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. so i guess if i was gonna go into the woods and hunt a mountain lion with my dogs and shoot it and then skin it and take the hide home in the anti's opinion that is wrong because i'm wasting it yet it's not actually being wasted that's what I've never understood. Like the government, U.S. Department of Agriculture is not allowed to take anything off the wilderness, like at all. The antis shut that down because people, trappers back in the day, were making double income, working for the government and then selling pelts. And now we are not allowed to do that. And everybody's like, well, it's such a waste. Mm-hmm. Except I can't tell you how many trees I've gone back to because a lot of bears like to tree in the same area and bears have eaten the dead bear or the lion oh, yeah, or I'm the sure. lion or the or the coyotes or the fox. It's all a circle of life, but because a human didn't eat it, it's a waste. Again, that goes back to the argument of you've taken the time through personal choice and an occupation to understand 
multiple levels mm-hmm. of it. You've peeled the onion back. If you just look at it completely superficially, when you when you and your dogs run that lion and then you shoot it and just take the hide, it's much easier to apply. That hide is your trophy and they can make a statement that that's the only reason you did it. You killed that animal for a trophy, right? I, 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 I know I'm not saying right. I know that's not true, but it, it, it's an easier, superficial, lazy man's argument to make. It's why they attack predator hunting so hard. It's why it's why wolf hunting, you know, is just the the just Satan's work, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's because very and, and I don't I don't know of anyone that's hunts or traps wolves with wolves with meat as a, as a driving argument in the situation, right? It's not, it's not what we're doing it for. Um, and so that's why it's so easy to apply the label of trophy hunter and attack from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when Robbie starts going, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, that means we've gone, that no, means no, we've no, gone no. on too well, long. We, well, we have, and I think we've beaten this, this, this little, um, topic to death but we do have one last topic to discuss we got a we got a, a message today on facebook by a guy called a very good friend of ours on the podcast he's been on the podcast before joe swanky and um he's in the upper peninsula he's in michigan and i told him i'd give him a shout out but then i found out that uh it wasn't actually a, a invitation for me. And Cody's smiling ear to ear, hands up in the air going, ta-da! Well, Joe Swanky, we really appreciate... Well, let me take the we out of this. Cody really appreciates the uh, invitation to go woodcock hunting up in the Upper Peninsula. Exactly! Uh, it was going to be next week. He said plenty of birds, plenty of amber liquor, liquid. And the best food a hunting camp has seen lately. And, um, you know, I was, I, I was actually talking to him back and forth and he thought it was Cody. And then I let him know it was me. And, uh, he said then even better, which he redeemed himself. And then Cody decided to get into the conversation. He goes, Hey, just clarifying. You thought you were sending that invitation of hunting to me, right? He says, well, yes, I figured the good doctor was busy doing important business but anyway joe swanky uh very much appreciate the invitation cody would you like to say something mr mr joe yeah thanks joe i appreciate it and, and you can't try and back out of this because a hundred percent you admitted that you thought you were talking to me when you extended the invitation so i will check my schedule well, if look, you have I'll... to check your schedule you have to fly out next week if you're going hunting with him otherwise it's third week of next year yeah. I could make things happen. <laughs> Take a podcast set. Go, go podcast in a good old Michigan hunting camp. Have you ever killed a woodcock before? No. Oh, nice. Ali, you've done it too? Oh, yes. Nice. I'm the, I'm the old man out then. I need to take up Joe's invitation then. No, we'll be in Georgia. We've got some, some, some things to follow up on in Georgia. Ali Mahaney. Joe. Always a pleasure. Yes. You're always welcome back anytime. 
thank you. As Have you been taking notes the entire time? No, I wrote down a couple of notes from the articles. Oh, nice. Reference point. Nice, nice, nice. Cody, I saw you got up to turn the lights on and it's still dark as all get out in your house. Yeah, the, the light in this room is not very bright. The, the whole, one whole side of the house is glass mm. windows. So during, I mean, when the sun's up, it's very, very bright in here, but we we uh, are not happy with our ceiling fan light combination that we chose. The light is not bright <laughs> enough in this room. All good. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, Ali. You too. Yeah, thanks, thanks Ali. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.